Hey, everybody, welcome to the second episode of the I-117 podcast. It is January 13th, whenever this releases, and we're going to be looking today at the second chapter of the God of Justice book, the chapter called Shalom and Human Responsibility. I really like this one. I like the idea of Shalom. Uh, it, it'll be a continuing trend throughout the rest of the book study. But before we get into that, I want to talk about some opportunities to do good, to help out people in our community. Many of you that are listening have probably heard of the local organization Women in Need. They are an organization focused on helping survivors of domestic abuse, victims of domestic abuse in Franklin and Fulton County. So they're helping local people here. According to the website, they were able to help 1,700 people last year. They're supporting people. They're uh, putting them in touch with lawyers, helping them through the legal system to get the protection that they need to be able to move forward. So with that in mind, there is a group of people that are putting together some dry soup packets that will be given to women in need so that they can distribute uh, to the people that they're serving. And so what I'd like the listeners to do for anybody in the community is to help out here. And helping out is really, really easy. All we need are some of the following. We just need one pound containers of the following. Dried lentils, split green peas, pearl barley, brown rice, alphabet or other small macaroni, and enough minced onions for eight cups. Okay, so what I would like to do is I'd like to have people be willing to donate them. If you are, please get them to us by January 26th. We're going to get together. There's going to be a big event at Central Presbyterian at the church, and people are going to put all of these items together, package them up nicely, and then give them to women in need. I encourage everybody that's listening to find a way to you know pick up some of those items next time you're at the grocery store, throw in some rice, throw in some lentils, whatever it may be, and then drop them off at Central Presbyterian at the church. If you're not sure about that or that doesn't work out for you, send a message to us on the Facebook page and we could try to figure something out. Okay. With that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into today's book study. This week's chapter, it kicks off with a fairly familiar view of our world. Oftentimes we look at the world and we say, okay, we got all of these technology. It's incredible. People 100 years ago wouldn't even be able to fathom some of the things that we have at our disposal. There have been technological advances that have made problems that were widespread, that were seemingly insurmountable not that long ago. Uh, effortless and widely accessible. There have been uh, new ways of growing crops, uh, distributing goods to people, medications, treatment, all of these new technologies, all of these things that have been created to help people, or we even have luxuries. There's, there are more luxuries out there to make life better. And yet, with all that being said, we have such a huge number of people, both within our community here in South Central Pennsylvania, but also at the world at large that are suffering from poverty, suffering from hunger, illnesses, where they can't get proper treatment. We have people that are victims of slavery, human trafficking. All of this is still exists. Uh, the book here points out, hey, there are signs that people just generally aren't happy. There's an imbalance here. There's something that we're missing. Just because we have access to all of these technologies, all of these new developments, the conveniences of modern life, it doesn't mean that life is getting better for everybody. And we should be mindful of that. That tells us that we're missing something. So we go back to last week where we talk about how God looked at his world and he said the world was good, right? He looked at his whole creation. The creation was good. And we recognize that in order to achieve that goodness, we're missing something. We need to put in some more work. We need to be doing something 
to help demonstrate that goodness. This is the part where the idea of shalom is introduced. Now, the book talks about shalom, meaning if you translate it, uh, peace, but it's a little bit more than that. The book says that it's more like a flourishing. So it's more when I think of flourishing, it's more of an active word rather than peace. Everything seems good at the moment. Flourishing demonstrates that there's growth, that you're working towards a continued betterment. And that is really what we need to be focusing on. Are we creating a world where people are able to flourish? Are we creating a community? where people are able to flourish? Are we working within ourselves so that we ourselves are able to flourish? And I know, again, New Year, uh, people are probably doing a lot of reflection on that. What am I doing for myself to help me flourish? And that's where we have all of these different New Year's resolutions. Hey, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to work towards that because people want to make sure that they are flourishing as they can. And so in this chapter, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it means to flourish, how we see that in the biblical sense, and then what you as an individual can do to help yourself flourish. The first text that we have here is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 25. In that reading, we see how God has created the entire world, and we see how all of his systems together are working to create this good world. It talks about how there are the there are the rivers, there are the plants, there are the animals. Adam was created, and his job is to tend to the Garden of Eden. That's his role. But on the other hand, he also has the animals. The animals are there. The plants are there. God looks at Adam and recognizes that he needs a companion. And so he creates Eve. And this is all wonderful because we see God creating a world where everything is in balance. Everything supports one another. And that is what made the Garden of Eden so special. Everything's working together for the betterment of something else. I think one of the interesting things to take away from this is we recognize, okay, God is providing for Adam's basic biological needs, right? He's having he's giving him access to water, food. He, he would be fine there. But God also recognizes that, you know, Adam needs social interaction. He needs somebody there. And as humans, we know that 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 is a basic need. We do need connections with other people. And so it's it's important, I think, to see that God didn't just want Adam to exist. You know, he didn't want to just cover the baseline biological functions, but he wanted him to flourish. And so that's why he created Eve so that there could be a social dynamic, because as we know, people, we're social beings, right? Even if introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter. We still are social beings. So at this point, the book goes on. It's talking about Shalom. And I really want to think about that. Think about that idea of Shalom in today's world of that constant flourishing. We live in a world where there are commercials that imply if you drink this beverage, you will be cool. You will have friends. You will look what we consider beautiful. All of these things. Or maybe you drive this nice car or you get this new cell phone. And there are all of these subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways that we're marketed to as consumers, as people that can have uh, buying power. But you think about those goods and are those goods actually bringing about shalom. Do they make you flourish? If I get a new car, is that going to make me flourish in every single way? Or is it just going to focus on maybe one thing, or maybe it's just going to be some little, um, very surface level way, not something that's going to last. It's something to consider here because we see from God's example in the, in the garden of Eden, he was looking at a person as the whole person and a way to address that. And so we need to be mindful of that as well, as we're seeking shalom in ourselves, in our community, in our world, 
we need to recognize that, oh, giving somebody some goods doesn't necessarily give them shalom. It doesn't create the sense of shalom. Another thing that I found interesting about the way that God set up the Garden of Eden is that he also gives Adam a task. Adam is his job is to tend to the garden. So it's interesting to me that it's not just, oh, Adam, you are just a passive creature or you are just a taker. You're just a consumer of this world. No, Adam actually has responsibilities. Adam is giving back to his community. And it's interesting to me that God felt that that was something that was important for Adam to flourish himself. He needed to find a way to work, to fit in with the balance of everything. We have this discussion about Shalom. We talk about it. We see how God created Shalom in the Garden of Eden. God gave one boundary to Adam and Eve, and that was to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, we have to unpack this because this, the question is, well, well, why? Why would God give them boundaries? And what place do boundaries really have in Shalom or in a, a relationship? So... I've reflected on some of my own relationships that I have, people that are closest to me and the boundaries that are presented in those relationships. And an opportunity to really present this came this morning whenever I was getting my son around. We were going through his morning routine. He demanded that I read every book that was in his room probably twice. I gave him his milk, his lovey, you know, the typical things that we're doing getting around in the morning. And then I go and I feed our cats. They're getting breakfast. I have four cats. And all of a sudden I hear a munching and I turn around and there's my son and he's digging in one of the cat bowls and he's got a handful of cat food and apparently some of it's already in his mouth and he's munching away. As a father, I am thinking this is probably not good. So I tried to coax him to put the cat food down. Let's go eat our Cheerios, you know. I think that's the right thing to do as a parent. But to him, that was me being unfair. And so we had the whole toddler fed. Again, he's about a year and a half. So we're getting to that stage. But I think that this story is illustrative in the fact that it's showing how boundaries can be created out of love. And the reason I tell my son not to eat cat food is because I'm pretty sure that it's not in his best interest to do so. This can be looked at in many of our relationships and whenever we're creating boundaries in relationships, they're necessary for that relationship to succeed, for that relationship to not falter, to keep out things like mistrust or jealousy and maintain relationships that are built on love and mutual respect, because that's important. I look at the story of Adam and Eve and I see God giving his one boundary to Adam and Eve, and this is an opportunity for them to show respect, to show love to God. And so boundaries aren't necessarily inherently negative. In fact, they're necessary. You look at most good relationships that you have, and they're going to be built on mutual respect for boundaries of some sort. Almost every chapter of this book has a section that's devoted to a real world practice of whatever concept the chapter is focusing on. And I like this example as an educator. This one focuses on a woman in India who saw that there was a need for better education in her community. As an educator, and anybody that really works with young people knows that there's more to providing education than just the content of books or the basic concepts or facts or whatever it may be. Anybody that studied education is going to be familiar with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this whole idea where if 
a student's basic needs aren't being met. And when I say basic needs, I'm talking about food, water, warmth. They're not going to learn anything. And so you need to meet people's basic needs in order to get them to the next level. And then you go to safety, security, that sort of thing. Then we get into the social relationships. But you look at that in order for the person to be the most successful, they need to have strength in all of these different areas. And that's how they build up and up and up. And that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about shalom and the idea of flourishing and being successful and working towards a greater peace in all of these different directions. We're trying to find that balance. We're trying to work with people to be successful in all these different areas. That's what this woman did as an educator, where she started pulling in all of the different needs that these kids had in order to make them successful, in order to better them as students, in order to better their lives overall. And I think that's fundamental to our understanding of Shalom. With all that being said, your homework, what I want you to reflect on tonight or over the course of the next week, is think about your key relationships within your life, your relationships with others, your relationships with God, your relationships with yourself, your relationship with the environment. Think of those areas and reflect. What are your barriers to shalom? What is making shalom difficult for you in all of those different areas? And how can you move past those? And then in doing so, what are the positives? What's going to happen Whenever you experience shalom within yourself or within your relationship with others or with God or the environment, it's all of those areas, there are so many positives that can happen. One thing that I have thought whenever I read all of this is that, at least for me, I think finding shalom is going to be a constant process where there are going to be times in my life where I feel like I am in proper balance with my relationships with others. But maybe the relationship with myself might be off. And maybe over the years, that's going to change. And maybe I'll find my relationship with God is really strong. But maybe the relationship with the environment is weaker. For me, reading this, I see shalom as something to work towards. And it's something to constantly work towards. And I don't think it's something where, hey, you've got it. You're good. You're set for life. I think it's something that requires constant work, a constant effort to finding and maintaining that balance within us, within our relationships, within our lives. Something to, I think, to keep in mind, to put at the forefront of our mind, again, especially as we're in the new year and we're thinking about all of our New Year's resolutions, our ways to better ourselves, better our world moving forward. And with that, that's all I have for chapter two, and that's all I have for today's podcast. Remember, if you want to help out, if you want to be involved with the soup packets, the dry soup packets for women in need, let me know. You can drop off your ingredients at the Central Presbyterian Church in downtown Chambersburg if you're interested. If that's not possible, if you're having difficulty doing so, but you still want to contribute, you still want to help out in some way, contact me. You can send me a message on the Facebook page and I'm sure we can get something, something figured out. Thank you once again for joining me today. And if you like what you're hearing or you like our message, please share it, spread the word. If you want to get involved in our discussions, we usually meet every Sunday at 1030 to 1130. If you want a book, I'll provide a link. If you would like to buy your own, I still have a few copies. So if you're not able to buy your own and you'd like a copy, reach out to me on Facebook, send me a message, and I'll try to get to get a hold of one for you. So again, thank you all. And I hope you all have a wonderful week.